Hi, you're listening to Kate and Catherine. And we're going to show you how to find your Prince Charming so that you can finally live happily ever after <laughs> forever and ever. No. No. <laughs> no. We are definitely not going to do that. We are sick of that story and it's a lie. It is a lie. You're listening to The New Truth, a modern woman's guide to extraordinary love. We are going to show you how the fairy tale love story stops you from experiencing the love you truly desire. Listen to hear how to break free from sacrifice and struggle in relationship. And learn the new truth about love in a way that you've never heard it before. We're so happy you're here. Keep listening. Hello, beautiful. Welcome to the New Truth Podcast. Welcome back for those of you uh, regulars, what are you called? You super fans. And uh, welcome to anyone new listening today. I'm Kate Harlow, and this is a solo episode, my second solo episode. I'm going to be counting them whenever I do a solo episode. Um, and today we're going to be diving into the, the ripe old question, episode number 117 Are you sabotaging your love life? Are you sabotaging your love life? Are you sabotaging what you truly desire to experience in relationship? And the answer is no. It's not you. It's your saboteur. So you might if you if you know my work well and and you've been listening for a while, you have probably heard me use the term saboteur many, many, many times. And in my over 15 years of coaching with women from all over the world, I have customized my own coaching method um, called the expanded love method, where I help women get intimate with the part of them that's sabotaging themselves from having not just the love they desire and the romance and the relationship, high quality relationships, but sisterhood and, you know, actually having intimate friendships where you feel deeply supported and inspired and met, um, having a life that lights you up, doing work in the world that lights you up. You are the creator of your own reality. It took me a really long time to understand this. I, I talked on my last solo episode about my favorite author, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and how he talks so much about how we are creating our own reality over and over and over again, and how we stay so small because we are addicted to being who we think we are. And that's essentially what your saboteur is. So I just finished doing my Expanded Love Masterclass, which was so much fun. If you were on it with me, stick around for this episode because we're going to dive deep into the archetypes again. And I, you can never hear them enough. There is so many nuances to these aspects of ourselves. But basically we, when we were little, we were, you know, wild. Kids are just so unpredictable. They're wildly expressed. They're so um, unapologetic about who they are. And as we go through life, we get shut down. We get told no, we get embarrassed. We get blamed for things we didn't do. All of these occurrences happen and we shut ourselves down. And so we develop this sort of false identity, really, is what the saboteur is. And the saboteur has created this false identity because she believes that that's actually what's going to keep you safe in the world. She thinks that's what's going to get you what you desire in your life. And it's actually the polar opposite. So we're going to dive into your saboteur today. And this is, I'm going to give you a, a, a test drive of, of this work because there's something that's so powerful that happens when a woman can not only understand her patterns. And Catherine and I talk about this so much on the New Truth podcast is that most of us are dating from our patterns. In fact, I almost want to say all women, almost all women on planet earth, when they get out there and date or even in romantic relationships, our patterns are what takes over. And that's why relationships are so hard. And that's why dating is so painful and torturous for most people because our saboteurs are in charge, our protective mechanisms, this false identity that we've created that we think we need to be in the world in order to survive. And I've witnessed so many women over the last, uh, I mean, seven years in this business and the last 15 years in my coaching life, be, be, go from being one version of themselves to, that is so far away from who they are 
to unlocking all of these beautiful aspects of themselves they didn't even know were there. And it is the most beautiful thing in the world to witness a woman actually fully start to feel her true self underneath all of these protective mechanisms. So my hope for you with this episode is that you start to get an idea or a sense of your saboteur. And when you get when you name your saboteur, um, it's really important that she has a name because there's something so powerful that happens when you externalize this part and see her as not you. Like, okay, that's my saboteur. She's your roommate. I think it was the book. Um, it was one of my favorite books. I think it was The Untethered Soul, where the author talks about how your the voice in your head is like your roommate that lives upstairs. And so I like to say your saboteur is living in the penthouse suite, totally rent-free, and she's controlling freaking everything. She's the controller of your life. And you're just believing her. You know, all day long, you're believing thoughts that you have about how horrible you are, or that you shouldn't have said that, or that you shouldn't have done that, or that you're not good enough, or you're not lovable or no one will ever love you. You'll be alone forever. Whatever the stories are in your mind, someone's mad at you, um, judging other people, judging yourself. That is the voice of your saboteur. So that's who we're going to name today. So as you listen to the episode, I want you to think of a name for her and, and be playful with it because the idea of naming your saboteur is not to shame and blame her because this part of you is with you for life. Trust me. I've been connecting, going on some dates here in Athens and um, having some, you know, I had a not so pleasant experience. And then I had a really great experience. And my saboteur, Regina is her name. I think you've, if you listened for a while, you've probably heard me mention her before. She's been with me the whole time, but the difference is she's not in charge. She's not leading my experiences. She's just there telling me like, oh, check your phone. Oh, he hasn't texted. He probably doesn't like you or, oh, you, you know, you got to get that guy. Cause if you don't get that guy, you're going to whatever the, the stories, the classic stories, that's a saboteur. So there's something so freaking powerful that happens for a woman when she starts to see this part of her as not her. It is the ultimate liberation. So I'm going to dive into all five aspects of the saboteur. And if you've heard it before, again, get out your notebook, take notes and listen to it again, because, you know, we hear the opposite messages about the old paradigm of love, about fantasy love, about, um, you know, everyone being with one person forever and love only looks one way. And you're worthless as a woman, if you're not in relationship, we've heard that story over and over and over and over again. And so that's why it's so important to hear these alternative messages over and over and over again, because you can always deepen um, on the expanded love masterclass that we had this past week. I had so many of my clients on there and so many women who've attended it. I have some women who've attended every single one I've ever done because there's always more nuances to learn. But you're wanna gonna give her a name and it's gonna be playful and light, something that actually like kind of illustrates. I love to choose names that are characters from movies. Mine is named after Regina George from Mean Girls, not because my saboteur is mean to other people, but it's an internalized mean girl because she used to be so mean to me and she's still mean sometimes. But we've come a really long way and we've built a loving relationship. And I understand when this part of me shows up and I, I, I take it now as an opportunity for me to actually pay attention to myself. When my saboteur is there and I'm in insecurity and I'm in one of the saboteur aspects and I'm questioning things or I'm obsessing over someone else or I'm in someone else's world or I'm worried about something I said, when my saboteur hijacks me, I know it's an indicator to go inward and to actually pay attention to what's happening inside of me. Whereas before that used to just be me, right? It was just me, myself and I, that was the voice in my head. And I didn't think I had any other choice. So learning your saboteur is absolutely life-changing. And so let's get into the different archetypes or the different aspects of the saboteur now. So the first aspect of the saboteur is called the fantasy addict. And the fantasy addict is 
uh, I mean, she's sneaky. There's some women who hear about the fantasy addict and they're like, oh yeah, I gave up on fantasy love a long time ago. That doesn't apply to me until they have feelings for someone. And then they get right back into fantasy. Usually women who say they don't identify with the fantasy addict are actually shut down from love, which is another archetype. Um, but fantasy love is embedded in every facet of our conditioning around love right? Every, and obviously this whole entire podcast is really based on this. So every, every love story you see out there, you know, the couple get together and then the movie ends. And then we just assume it goes really well. I think I said this on a recent episode and most women are, end up, you know, in these relationships where they have to cut off their right arm and their left toe in order to stay and make it work or because people don't know how to do relationships, but we get into relationship leading with fantasy. So the fantasy love addict, I mean, we really talk so much in the new truth podcast about fantasy love. So you can go back to the beginning and review almost every episode and learn more about it. But essentially the fantasy love addict is not connected to what's actually occurring she is in her mind projecting her idea of what's occurring when she's on a date or after the date or before the date so she spends so much time and of course this isn't just about dating you know you can be in fantasy about any aspect of your life and there is a gift to every aspect of the saboteur the gift of the fantasy addict is the fantasy addict is a really good dreamer so take the energy of your fantasy and put it into dreaming about you know manifesting your future about how you want to feel and where you want to go and what you want to experience in your life but the fantasy addict lives in this illusion. And so what this looks like in a tangible way or concrete way is like you being, for example, let's say you go on a date, which I did this last weekend, have a really great experience, which I had this last weekend, just went out with someone who was fun. He was so playful. He was an Aries. So lots of fire and so playful. And, and it was just like, we laughed a lot. And I was like, oh, I forgot that men make, can be funny and fun. And like, wow, it's been so long since I've been around this kind of energy. I forgot how much I love to play. And so what the fantasy addict would do is go on that date. It was a really great date. We were there for like two hours. And then I came home and, you know, of course, Regina kicked off and she wanted to be like, oh my gosh, this guy, da, 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 he's so great. You need to lock this down. He needs to take you on another date. Like she, Regina would start going down that rabbit hole. But what I do is I stop her before it happens. So she starts to go down that rabbit hole. I allow myself to bask in the feeling of it because, hey, it's like the feeling is so freaking beautiful and those feelings are your own. And so I allow, so what happened, I got home that night, I put on some music, I danced, I sang, I did a little bit of writing and I wrote about how it felt. And I said, thank you so much for being an activator for me. And like the, the reality is who knows what could happen? This person could end up being a significant person in my life, or I may never see them again, or they may just be a friend or anything could happen. So I, I'm able to come back to that place of non-attachment, but I do some practices to get to that place first. So to break free from the fantasy thinking, which is the fantasies always in the illusion, in the future, wanting the next thing. And so I bring myself back to the moment. I celebrate it. I enjoy it. I bask in it. Thank you for opening my heart. Thank you for bringing joy into my life. That was such a beautiful experience. I, I actually said thank you to him and how much I enjoyed the, the playfulness that I got to experience being in his presence. And then I got to say thank you in my journal and I, I did some writing about it and I wrote some poetry and I was like, this is so beautiful. Universe, thank you. Bring me more of this, more playfulness, more lightness. I'm so into this. And I'm not attached to it being like, I need a guy to bring me it or that guy to bring me it. Because as soon as we try and get something from someone, we stop getting it. Like, did you notice that when we're in relationship in the beginning, it like whatever you're getting in the beginning that you love, either later you hate it or later it's not there anymore. And you're like, wait, give me that thing. You used to give me so much attention or you used to give me words or you used to give me hot sex all the time, or you used to give me, you used to make me laugh. What happened? And therein lies the problem. 
Therein lies the problem. We're looking to the other person to give us something, right? So if I leave a date and I am all high from it and I stay in the fantasy that it's because of the other person that I don't play a part in the equation and there it's entirely because they're so great. Now they're on a pedestal. Now I'm down below and I'm always going to look to them to fill that feeling, to activate that feeling in me as opposed to what I'm getting to practice, which is so fun for me because I've been in a relationship for so long and it's really fun for me to be able to practice what we talk about on the podcast and really put my work into play in a different way. Um, but what I get to practice is bringing it back home to me as many times as I have to. And the saboteur shows up again and again, and then you keep doing the dance and you keep coming back home. And yesterday I wrote myself this beautiful letter that I shared with the masterclass group. Um, it came through my divine download, which you have access to, too, if you get in the practice of writing to connect with different parts of yourself. That's something I teach my clients in my reclamation course. Um, but I wrote this letter just, I didn't intentionally write it. I was sitting, I climbed this mountain that's right by my place. I'm now in Athens, Greece, which you probably know if you've been following along. And I have this gorgeous mountain. I actually have the most gorgeous view of the Acropolis and the AGNC. It's so expansive. It's like 180 degree view of Athens. And I went to this mountain by my house. I go there quite a lot and I journal from this beautiful spot. And it's just looking out on the entire city. It's stunning. And I was there yesterday and I was listening to the Outlander soundtrack for some reason. I was really inspired and that sing me a song, the, the, the opening song of the show Outlander, which I haven't even watched much of that show, but I really love Celtic music. And so my heart was so open and I was in, in, basking in the sun. And then this download came through and it was this letter writing to me about how, you know, to take my attention off this other person and to remember the magic of who I am and how blessed every single person is to connect with me. So it's like all these different practices to come home to you and remember who you are because the fantasy addict gives so much of her power away. I mean, all, really all aspects of the saboteur do, but especially the fantasy addict. The fantasy addict is, in a, is even in fantasy thinking, oh, my life will get better when I have a relationship. My life will get better when I have a new thing. Like even I had a little bit of fantasy around moving to Greece. And then I got here and it was three weeks of really intense emotional stuff coming up and adjusting. And, you know, I have expansive days and I've contracted days wherever we go, there we are. So even though I'm in a place that does feel more aligned for me than, than Canada, even though that's true, also, I still have to keep showing up for myself and I still have to keep tending to myself and I still have to keep staying connected to me. And my whole entire life is devoted to that because that's what I teach. So it is so possible for you too. So the fantasy addict is always keeping us attached to the result, keeping us in the future, making up stories about who we think people are as opposed to staying in that really open-hearted curiosity of like getting to know someone and getting to know them more. And even let's say you're together for 10 years, what if you were still getting to know them, right? We, we, we become so complacent in relationships, which is why the spark that you feel in the beginning disappears because we stop getting to know that person. So let yourself get to know whoever is in front of you. And when your fantasy is painting the idea of who you think you are, pause, feel your feet on the ground, take a breath and remember, oh, wait, I don't know them. This is just my idea of them or who I want them to be. So keep that in check. Fantasy addict is also attached to getting the next thing, right? If the feeling is good in your body, the fantasy addict is going to want the next date or going to want the proposal or going to want the I love you or going to want the wedding or going to want the babies. The fantasy addict is always going to keep pulling you to the next thing so that you're safer, so that you know that you can have this feeling forever. And what that actually does is it, it, it robs you from experiencing the beauty of what each phase in relationship is. And it also robs you from experiencing what's actually happening. So that's what also leads women down the Tinder swindler trail. <laughs> 
they're not rooted in themselves and feeling their intuition and feeling like, wait, this is going a bit too fast. When you're in a hurry, slow down. But the fantasy addict wants more, 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 more. She wants it all right now. She wants more Botox. She wants more ice cream. She wants more money. She wants more love. She wants more attention. She wants more, more, more. The fantasy addict just wants more. So allow yourself to slow down. And if a relationship is rushing, typically, and things are happening really quickly and you're seeing each other nonstop, typically one or two of you, one or both of you have the fantasy addict running the show. So there's a few tips about the fantasy addict. I kind of sprinkled in how to break free from her. Um, And then the second aspect of the uh, not heroin of your saboteur is the self-sacrificer. And this one is really rampant amongst women because we've been taught to be sugar and spice and everything nice, the good girl, the nice girl, the sweetie pie. Um, and we've also been taught to put everyone before us. And that comes from generations and generations of witnessing and our mom's witnessing and our grandma's witnessing and all the, our lineage of women who have been taught to put other people before themselves, who've been taught to make sure everyone's cared for. And, you know, a part of this comes from our biology. Women genuinely, genuinely are just, we care. We are more connected to our feelings, to our hearts. So we are naturally nurturers and the self-sacrificer is taking that beautiful nurturing energy and having it come out sideways in a shadow way where you are sacrificing yourself at the expense of other people, where you're more concerned about everything everyone else's experience and forgetting to consider your own experience. So self-sacrificers, you know, what this looks like in dating and relationships in dating, typically self-sacrificers will do anything for the person. Like, where do you want to go? What do you, what do you want to do? They will um, be the, you know, the nice girl, the doormat, um, always available. Not that you want to be unavailable when you're not unavailable, you know, like I, I, I'm not into the whole, like play games to get the guy to like you, but if you're overly available, maybe check in, like what could you do some things for you? Like, could you fill your life up more with things that matter rather than just waiting for, um, that relationship to fill yourself up. So self-sacrificers do a lot for everyone and underneath they feel so deeply unsupported. But the truth of the self-sacrificer is they can't actually get support because they're the ones who are the supporters. So there's not a lot of space for them to be supported. So this is, this used to be my, actually my, I would say Regina back when she was running my whole entire house full-time. Um, and when she was in charge, it was mostly the fantasy addict mixed with the self-sacrificer. So what this looked like is I was such a pleaser and I cared so much what everyone thought of me that when I was on a date, I wasn't even on the date. I was, I was too busy caring what the person was thinking about me or wanting to know how they perceived me or wanting to get something from them because I was so disconnected from myself. I wasn't on a date anchored and rooted in me and just being curious about this human in front of me. I was like, what can I do to make them like me? There's actually on one of my playlists that I play a lot, I've got cheesy, um, kind of love songs that uh, that I sing before I prepare for master classes. So I've been singing my cheesy playlist all week. And there's a song from this uh, Irish band called The Coors. And it's, uh, what can what can I do to make you love me? What can I do to make you love me? And it, I just popped to my mind right now because that's the self-sacrificer. The self-sacrificer is like, let me do a million things for you so you love me. And I used to do it in all of my friendships. And I still keep an eye on this part of me because she still, you know, does it in emotional ways. Like who can I emotionally support? And I'll, let me just save the world so that everybody loves me. So that's the root of the self-sacrificer. The self-sacrificer does not feel lovable. They do not feel like they are enough. And so they feel like their love is, they only get love if they do things for other people. So that's one to really watch out for because it is a setup in relationship. Self-sacrifice is a setup to, it's a, it's one of the two archetypes that's an over-functioner. So it's a setup to attract an under-functioner in relationship. 
which you don't want, because then later you'll be bitter and resentful that you do everything for this person and they don't appreciate it. But it was the setup courtesy of your saboteur. Self-sacrificers often also tolerate toxic relationships because they're the sweetie pies. They're the people pleasers, unless they're mixed with controller, which I'll talk a bit about later. But the self-sacrificers typically have high tolerance for pain because they care so much. And they're like, well, you know, I'll just stay in this toxic relationship because I don't know if my my partner could survive without me, or I don't know if I could survive without them, or or I don't want to hurt other people. Self-sacrificers are the ones who are like, I'm going to get married anyways, even though I really don't feel aligned with this person and I really don't want to marry them, but I'm going to marry them because I think that's better than you know, hurting them. I don't want to let down my friends and family. I don't want to let down my partner, so I'm just going to marry them. I've heard this so many times it's wild. So that's the self-sacrificer, always considering everyone else's experience before their own. All right. So are you relating? And if you are, you know, it's your job to just start reflecting. Which ones do you resonate with? If you resonate with all five of them, great. There is nothing wrong with you. Totally normal. We all have a saboteur. Some women resonate really with all of them. Some will resonate stronger with one or two or three um, and totally normal, but it is so empowering to know your saboteur. So once you know her, she can stop taking over so much. So with the self-sacrifice, your job is to start checking in with how you feel. When someone asks you to do something, you pause and say, thank you for the invitation or that sounds great. Let me get back to you. Let me check in and see just feel into that and see and actually give yourself space to make decisions rather than just rescuing everyone or and and check in with how it feels so in my heroin work which my clients when they work with me in the reclamation and at the immersion, they're unlocking all the disowned aspects of our, themselves that the saboteur has shut down. And in that work of unlocking the heroin, which is your soul self, the for the self-sacrificer, what's missing is the sage. And the sage is your, your own internal guidance system, being able to live from that place, being able to make decisions from, is this actually aligned? Like, is this person aligned? Is this client aligned? Is this friend aligned? Is this being invited to this thing aligned? Is, you know, doing this errand for my friend aligned? Is helping this person move aligned? The, self, the sage will never abandon self for other, but the self-sacrificer constantly abandons self for other, which is why self-sacrificers feel so anxious internally. That's a tell of a self-sacrificer because they're constantly going against their own inner guidance. And it creates that friction, that out of tune guitar friction inside that feels like anxiety. So when you learn to follow your sage, when you learn to follow that inner guidance system, now you can feel more rooted in your decisions and you won't be anxious about making them. Because when you're actually helping people, it's because you have the capacity. It's not because you feel like you have to, or you feel responsible for their feelings. So totally life-changing in dating and relationships and in all relationships. I mean, of course, your saboteur is in all your relationships. She is everywhere. She is in every facet of all of your relationships. So knowing her will change every facet of your life. So hopefully you're, you're getting a feel for yours so far. So number three is the isolator and the isolator is the, the part that it's the woman who is, keeps her cards so close, who doesn't really let people in isolators feel so alone in the world, even if they're surrounded by friends, they feel so alone because they're the one who doesn't take up any space, but they're amazing listeners. They're amazing at supporting other people and they don't actually really let people in. And the reason is usually what's underneath in my experience is they feel like a burden and they don't want, they don't want to feel like a burden. So they've learned and all these protective mechanisms were learned when we were kids. So the isolator does everything in her power to not share what's really going on for her to not burden other people. But as a result, she's sabotaging you from creating closeness with people in your life, from actually experiencing intimacy. So the isolator is the part that deeply, deeply impacts intimacy, our ability to build intimate connections with other people, with women, with men, and um, this is one of the one of the keys to building deep connections when you're on dates is is um, 
is the opposite of the isolator, which is being in your heart and allowing yourself to express vulnerably. This is the innocent aspect of this, of the heroine is being able to, well, it's a combo of the sage and the innocent because you're connected to your own truth, but you're also able to express which the innocent part of us, when we were operating from our innocence, when we were little kids, that heart energy, we can effortlessly express our vulnerability and we don't care who's around. So this is the part of the heroine that unlocks that ability to just express yourself and share without worrying about being judged or worrying about someone not liking you because ultimately the people who are aligned for you will be will love to hear what you have to say they'll love to support you they'll love to uh, support you in your feelings and to, to hold space for you. And so the key for the isolator is to learn how to actually be more vulnerable and allow people to see you and to experience you. So practicing even being vulnerable with your friends when you normally don't take up space, practice taking up more space because the more vulnerability you can experience, which is just really speaking your truth, sharing what's going on for you, how you're feeling, what's happening inside of you, doesn't look like complaining and blaming. It looks like actually just sharing what's wrong real for you. And when you share vulnerably, you build closeness everywhere you go. And that allows you to create that intimacy um, in dating and relationships. Otherwise, you're, you're in relationships, but people don't actually know you. That's what happens for isolators is they become, one day they wake up and they've been married for 20 years and their partner doesn't even know them because they are an, on an iceberg, you know, living in this little secret world within. And they feel alone, whether they're in relationship or not in relationship. So that's the isolator. And these are just the tip of the iceberg. I do have a, a saboteur mini course you can go visit, which is in my, um, I'll link it below this video, actually. It's in my bio as well on my Instagram, the unscripted woman. Um, or if you just look up Kate Harlow, you should be able to find me. And it's in the bio link um, there, the saboteur mini course where you can, I think there's a quiz as well. You can do a quiz and you can also um, learn a little bit more about each archetype. So if you missed the masterclass, so the next one is the controller. And oh my goodness, this is a big one. The controller archetype of the saboteur is, I mean, it's really embedded in Western culture for women in patriarchy. You know, when, when, when a woman is born into a patriarchy, the first four waves of feminism, women had to essentially put on man suits in order to shatter glass ceilings to get to where we've gotten to today. And because of that, we have disowned so many aspects of ourselves and, and that controller has taken over. And so what is the controller? The controller is when a woman, <clears throat> excuse me, when a woman does not allow herself to be supported, she's over functions. She does everything for everyone, similar to the self-sacrifice or quite often those go hand in hand, but the controller is trying to control her perception of her life. So she's disconnected from how she actually feels and her whole life is all about making sure she's achieving and succeeding and looking good and her life looks good and she checks boxes and she follows the rules and she's orchestrating this perception of her life which is not even for herself and then on the inside feels this emptiness or this anxiousness or this exhaustion because life is a checklist life is a life is a non-stop go 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 do 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 um controllers when they're dating you know i had one client who when we first started working together she shared that she'd been on over a thousand dates and that's the controller archetype she was she was trying to find her partner so she could have a baby and she could do the life. So she was date after date, like dating, like she was interviewing for jobs, which you don't even want a job interview from that place. But she was dating so attached to a result. She was trying to control the experience, trying to control when a partner showed up. And so many women do this in dating and relationships. We try and control. I mean, even the story I shared earlier about all the women who got married, even though it felt so out of alignment, that's the controller as well. It's not just the fantasy addict or and the self-sacrificer, but it's the controller. The controller's like, no, I am 33 years old. Everyone else is married. 
I've got to do this. So even though I don't like my husband or even though I'm not attracted to him or even though we hate each other or even though I'm something feels off about this and I'm not sure what it is, I'm going to control every variable and make this wedding so perfect so nobody knows how I really feel. So the controller does this in so many ways. We do it on Instagram. I'm going to control the, the, the image that I put out there of my life and myself so that nobody knows how I actually feel internally. So ultimately the controller over functions. There's this, this, the root of the controller is I don't feel safe in the world. I don't trust myself. I I trust myself. I don't trust anybody else. I don't trust that I'm going to be supported, that people are going to show up for me. So I'm going to do it myself. And as a result, they feel so deeply unsupported. They feel so resentful on the inside. In romantic relationships, I work with a lot of controllers, really ambitious, successful women who are thriving in their careers, but their love lives aren't working out so well. Uh, Most of them have been married and divorced. And there's this, um, often they're shut down from love altogether. That can happen where it's just like, nope, I don't need a man. I don't need a relationship. I don't need love. I've done that. It didn't work out. Right. And that's guarded controller energy, which when you have that, I've said this before, you are missing so much beauty and so much that you're missing you. If your heart is shut down to love, you're, you're, you're shut down to life. You're not actually feeling and experiencing. And that's the thing with the controller is typically they're very busy. They're always doing things. Their calendars are busy. There's a part of them that gets off on that. It's like this sense of I'm important. I'm busy. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. I've got this 10 million things to do. I'm crazy busy. And they get off on it. Their saboteur does. But deep down, they're longing for a break. They're longing for space. But most controllers are really uncomfortable with slowing down. And they're uncomfortable with feeling. It's like they don't want to, they don't want to, like they're just, treading water because they don't want to see the iceberg that's under the water, right? They can just see the tip and they're like, I'll just avoid it. I'll just stay really busy. And then I don't have to feel what I'm actually feeling. And I can just keep up the facade of what my life is supposed to be as opposed to actually honor myself. So the antidote for the controller, I, I think I didn't say for the isolator, but the isolator, the antidote is the heroin antidote is, uh, well, it's the innocent connection. Um, the isolator. Oh, I think I did share for the isolator actually. Okay. Back to the controller. So the antidote is the sensuous, um, which is the fourth aspect of the heroin. So unlocking your sensuality and like slowing down and learning how to be in relationship with your body, becoming embodied. It's also the sage, um, learning how to listen to that inner truth. It's the queen learning how to stand within for yourself. So controllers are operating in power over instead of power un, or instead of true power, which is I say no to what's not actually aligned for me. Actually, I think the controller needs all of the heroin aspects. So I'll talk about them at the end. So the antidote for the controller is to slow down, to soften, to slow down. Like even when you're driving or walking or breathing or eating, slow down. Practice getting comfortable with that. And if you're not comfortable with it, it's a growing edge for you and there's work to do. So slowing down is huge for the controller. And then also asking for help, which is really hard for controllers. Next time you're on an airplane, ask the handsome man next to you or whoever it is to help you with your bag. Uh, I do that every time and people are so, it's like you make their day when you ask for help. But, um, but controllers are like, I've got it. No, someone offers to help and a controller is like, I don't need your help. I've got it. You know, don't hold the door for me. I've got it. So allow yourself to be supported. If you are a controller, it's going to soften you so much controllers, you know, they're, they're repulsing love and who they tend to attract in relationship is men that are more passive men that don't necessarily have a lot of opinions, men who can end up behaving like teenage boys. And often these are my, a lot of my clients where their ex-husbands are like their teenage sons who they were just another kid that they had to look after. And that happens. That's the setup, right? If the controller is over-functioning and being the mom and she's like the controller self-sacrificer is being the mom to the man, what's going to happen It's like the perfect setup. So we are responsible for our part. No matter what you attract in relationship, I hope you're getting that from this uh, episode, is you are responsible for your part in the dynamic. 
So that's the controller. And then the very last one is the shape shifter. Now the shape shifter is a little bit of all of them. The shape shifter is when you change who you are, when you're with someone you have feelings for, or when you're with different people. So it can look so many different ways. It can be really subtle, which I'm noticing myself when my shape shifter comes up, when I'm going on dates or meeting new people and it, or it can be really obvious. Um, but ultimately I'll give you some really obvious ones with dating. So obvious shape shifter is like you go on a date and the person you don't even share your opinions. They're like, oh, I'm into this. And you're like, I am too. <laughs> you like whatever they like. You, you know, morph yourself. You get into a relationship, you start dating someone and all of a sudden nothing else matters to you. That's a bit of fantasy shapeshifter. Your whole rest of your life gets shut down. You stop talking to your friends. You stop doing things you love. And you're just like obsessively hanging out with a guy and becoming more and more like him. That's the shapeshifter. Um, the shapeshifter also looks like, you know, have you ever said to yourself, why do I lose myself in love? Why do I lose myself in relationships? We lose ourselves because we're shapeshifting. So this also could look like I, what one way I used to shapeshift is I'm a naturally very flirtatious person, not in a sexual way. I'm not like flirtatious, like, come on, baby, <laughs> I want a piece of you. I mean, I have that ability. I'm working on it, but I'm flirtatious in the sense that my heart heart is open most of the time. And I'm a connector. I love people. So everywhere I go, I connect. That's why I love living in Greece. And I love going to Italy and being around these really heart open cultured people because, or different cultures, because I love to live with my heart open. That's who I am. And that's the innocent aspect of the heroine. And so when you're shape shifting, what, what I used to do in relationship is I'd shut that down. Cause I had boyfriends when I was young that were like, that's flirting. You're giving that guy the wrong idea. Don't do that. And so that happened in a relationship when I was like 20, which totally shaped me. So for many years, for like 10 years, I would shut off that part of myself in relationship. But what ended up happening is I stopped being myself in relationship. And all of a sudden I was no longer sparkly and I was no longer joyful. And I was no longer like all of these beautiful parts of me got shut off. So we do it in so many different ways. You know, if you get into relationship and you stop you stop reading or you stop going on trips with your girlfriends or you stop doing things you love or you stop being parts of yourself because you think it's not appropriate to be in relationship. That's the shape shifter and it will bite you in the ass later because when we're cutting off parts of ourselves, it is going to hurt us. Depression AKA repression. We repress parts of ourselves and we all have been doing this our whole entire lives since we were kids. We've repressed part of ourselves. But how we reverse that is we start to unlock all those disowned aspects. And then the practice from the awakened heroine in my work is to actually walk through the world and get into relationships, notice your saboteur, notice all the parts of you that want to be in fantasy or control or shapeshift, have the practices in place to not let that part take over so that you can keep using this experience of dating or relationship to expand you, to become more expanded into who you are, to become more of your heroine. So that's what relationships do for me now is now that I know the difference and, and same with my clients is like relationships allow us to become more. And when we catch ourselves in saboteur patterns, we have so much more self-awareness because she has a name and she has an energy and you know her when you get to know your saboteur. It's just a game changer for relationships because you know this false identity. You can feel it's like she's put a cloak on and all of a sudden you can feel your saboteur cloak and then you know all the things to do to take the saboteur cloak off so that you can get back into energetic alignment with who you are. So those are the five archetypes and the saboteur, knowing your saboteur is so important in all your relationships because at the core, I said at the very beginning, this episode is called, are you sabotaging your love life? And my answer was no, because it's not you, it's your saboteur and blaming ourselves is what women have done for far too long. And so what I'm teaching you to do is build a relationship with the part of you that's sabotaging your love life, because it's not you. This is a, your conditioned self. This is your your shut down self. This is your protection that showed up for a very 
triggered reason when you were young that's still keeping you from having the life and the love that you desire and from actually deeply connecting with people and from actually truly experiencing intimacy. So knowing her is essential. And then step two is unlocking and awakening your heroine. And this is about becoming the unscripted woman where you're writing your own story. You're no longer operating from what is my life supposed to look like? Oh, I should be somewhere I'm not. Oh, I'm this age. Why aren't I there? Oh, I'm single. I should be in a relationship. Why aren't I in a relationship? Will I ever have one again? Where your life is no longer determined by all these, all these rules and all these stories of who women have been taught to be. And you get to become the writer and the director and the leading lady of your own story when you unlock your heroine. And guess what? The good news is, this exciting news, is it's a lifelong journey of exploring your heroine. There are five core aspects. I've mentioned a few of them. I'll really quickly go through them before before I wrap up. So the first one is the innocent. And this is most women who are in control or do not have the innocent online. It's like really repressed. The innocent is your heart energy. It's your ability to stay curious, to be in a state of wonder, to be present in the moment. It is your um, joy, your playfulness, your lightness. When I went on that date last weekend, I got, my innocence was so activated. My heart was so activated. It is your lightness, not taking life so seriously, your ability to feel your feelings and be vulnerable. There's lots of aspects, but that's, um, that's the beginning of it. Uh, just the tip of the iceberg. So the next one is the sage, which I talked about. The sage is your is combo of two things, being deeply rooted and connected to following your own internal guidance, being able to trust that feeling you have as opposed to the story in your mind. And that's how we relinquish anxiety because you start to make choices that are actually aligned for you and healthy for you because it, you're going based on your own internal guidance. We all have one. So we learn how to plug in to that. And then the, the sage is also your ability to, now that you're following your own truth, you get to see how divinely supported you are and how much the universe and life wants to support you to make what your heart desires happen when you're not trying to control it, when you're not in complete disillusionment and fantasy, when you're not sabotaging yourself or contorting yourself, when you're actually rooted in your own truth and you're following that place, Life supports you. Things work out. It is unbelievable. And I've witnessed it over and over again with myself and clients, how much opens up in life when we learn how to live from this place. So that's the sage. The third one is the sensuous. And the sensuous is all about reconnecting to your body. Your heroine lives in your body. Your saboteur is in your mind. And most of us spend most of our time in the penthouse suite just living in our minds. So the sensuous is about coming back home to your body, building a relationship with your body, no matter what size, shape, no matter what your body looks like. The sage or the sensuous is all about rebuilding your internal relationship with your senses, your sensuality, which is yours. And it's the thing that it, uh, it, it radiates so much beauty when you are in your body, when you are in your senses, it's unbelievable. And it connects you to being present. And there's a superpower in our sensuality. So that's the third one. The fourth one is the queen, which I said before is learning how to stand with and for yourself. The queen is being able to live your life from your self-worth. And it's already there as Catherine and I talk about on many episodes, your self-worth is untouchable. It is inside of you. It's pristine. So is your heroine. And it's about learning how to actually live from that place. When the sage and the queen come together, whoa, look out because you're following your truth. And the queen is the part of you that stands with and for yourself and is like, yeah, that's a no for me, but thank you so much for thinking of me. Um, yes, I would love to do that thing. And actually knowing how to follow your truth and how to lovingly be boundaried and how to stand with and for your own truth. I don't even like the word boundaries because when I hear the word boundary, I see I see barriers. And you know, I've spent so many years helping women un untangle and untether from the barriers around their heart or break down the barriers around their hearts. And so the last thing in the world I think we need is more barriers. So instead of boundaries, I prefer standing with and for yourself because that's what the queen does. She doesn't need barriers, but she needs to be able to speak her truth and use her voice. So the queen is deeply rooted in her voice and her ability to express herself, but not it's not the shadow side of the queen, which is blaming and forcing and controlling and manipulating. It's actually soft. There's a soft power to the queen where she just stands with and for what she believes in 
And she stops attracting people who want to fight her or challenge her. Uh, it's so beautiful. And then the last one is the goddess. This is the wildly expressed part of yourself. The goddess is like, I don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. I'm going to change my name. That was me. I changed my name. You listen to the beginning of the podcast. Um, I tell the story, but I changed my name when I was uh, 25 and it was so uncomfortable to do because everybody I knew at the time judged me. I was surrounded by people who didn't get outside their comfort zone and do things that weren't ordinary or no, they only did things that were ordinary. And so I, it was so uncomfortable to do it, but I did it because I was like, uh, some part of me knew like, what? No, I'm like, well, I don't want to go be, by a name I hate for another like 75 years if I'm here to 100. And so I got the courage to change my name, which I feel like was the very beginning of me actually reclaiming my heroine very much because my name, I renamed myself, which is the hair, what the heroine is. You name your heroine as well as your saboteur. And so I unlocked so much, even just by changing my name. And then my whole life became about making decisions that were best for me. And now I'm living in Athens, Greece. I spent the last nine months in Costa Rica and Mexico and following my heart, following my truth. I ended a relationship at 40 instead of going down the rabbit hole of checking the boxes. Um, I've been living the life of my dreams because I've unlocked the goddess and the goddess is like the wildly expressed heart, the wildly expressed woman living the life of her dreams unapologetically, unapologetically growing into ourselves always. So that's a, a taste of the heroine archetypes. And when you unlock those, it brings the saboteur into balance because right now your saboteur has been running your life for a very long time. Your saboteur has so much hold over you. All of these patterns, knowing them is amazing. Getting intimate with them is amazing, but she has a lot of hold on you. So now your job is to put your saboteur in the backseat and to awaken your heroine so that you can start making new choices as opposed to to doing all the patterns that your saboteur would no normally do. So you see, we have to unlock, you know, if you're operating from self-sacrifice or you have to unlock your queen in order to be able to stand with and for yourself. Or if you're in fantasy addict, you need to unlock the, the sage and the queen in order to follow your own truth as opposed to live in this, some idea of who, what you think you're supposed to be. So they all go hand in hand. They're so interchangeable and so important to unlock these aspects of you. And there's so many beautiful resources out there, but I've been uh, doing this work for a very long time. I've supported so many women all, all over the world to be wildly expressed. I'm so proud of my clients, their lives. Every single one of them just has a different life on the under, other end of this journey and a different love for herself and a different beauty and radiance and, and everything changes, not just love, everything at purpose. Oh my gosh. So much, so much purpose. I've had many clients write books, like just all this stuff gets unlocked because they, they start to live from this liberated place of being who they actually are. So I want to invite you to, um, a program that I have starting April 1st. It's called The Reclamation. It's three months. It's a three-month journey where we go deep and we unlock all the aspects of your heroine. You'll have a module every week to, to unpack and, uh, and get to know these different aspects of your heroine. Lots of workbooks. It's very interactive. Um, we have a private Facebook community where I go live and answer all your questions. We do deeper deeper. Um, work on it. And uh, the next group starts April 1st. So I wanted to let you know about it. Um, if you are curious about it, I will link the link below and you can look into it and see if you want to join. I'm going to give you a discount code. Um, the discount code is, I'm going to make it up on the spot because it's actually not built yet, but I will give you, um, I will give you $300 off the course. So I will make that, it's going to be called truth. That's going to be the discount code. I'm making it up on the spot because this is the new truth podcast. So if you see the page and you want to explore unlocking your heroine and join me for that group, um, the discount code will be capital T and then the word truth. And um, you can always send me a message, ask any questions you want. We can hop on a call if you have more curiosity and want to explore the heroin work in a deeper way than the reclamation. But the reclamation is such an amazing place to start. And the next group again starts April 1st. And I would love to have you join me. So that is it for me today. Um, hopefully you get a feel for your saboteur. Name her. Choose a name that feels fun for you because you want to build a relationship with her. Again, it's not about shame 
shaming and blaming her, but it's about getting to know her so she no longer has so much power over you. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you did, and you know a woman in need, share it with all your friends and um, reach out to me if you have any comments or questions. We love to hear from you um, or reviews on the podcast. And Catherine and I will be back next week with another episode and I am sending you all my love. Hi, it's Kate. Thanks so much for listening to the New Truth Podcast. For more of Catherine and I, come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group. We are in there. That's where we're sharing all about our programs and our free workshops that we do. Um, You can come join us there and ask as many questions as you want about the podcast episodes, about dating, relationships, any struggles you're having out there. We would love to support you. So come hang out with us in the New Truth Movement Facebook group and we will see you soon.